Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury Inside the Heart of a Champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you for the next hour. We're going to go over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Quiet week this week. Huh? How much to talk about? Let's just talk about, like, best of. Let's, you know, let's do some lists. Let's do some, let's do some recapping of the good times. There's nothing happening this week, right? Very, very quiet. It was as wild as it gets, in all honesty. It was as wild as it gets for mixed martial arts fans. This UFC week was absolutely crazy. You know, here we are this time last week. We're talking about Tony Ferguson uh, against Khabib. We're excited it's finally going to happen. And then it doesn't. And we think that is going to be the the biggest news of the week, that it's just going to be, all right, Max Holloway, gangster, he's stepping in, short notice, six days notice. Then we learn as the week goes on, oh, by the way, he has to cut about 30 pounds to get to this fight. And, oh, by the way, that's not even going to be close to the biggest story of this week is that Max Holloway has to cut 30 pounds, even though it would pop up its head once again. And we will get to the incident and everything that went down with Conor McGregor because it's obviously the biggest story of the week. And the repercussions of it are huge. And where do we go from here with Conor? What's going to happen with Conor? What is the proper answer to do with Conor? But... I, I feel like because of everything that went down this week with Connor, where I do have this feeling like, man, he really just broke a cardinal sin of the fighters and what this week should have been for. I do think it's proper to start off today's show talking about last night, which was an awesome night of fights, which it could have been in any other sport. Um, you have something like what went down this week in mixed martial arts and you just it doesn't feel the same you know you lose your big your big feature bout in boxing i don't know how they recover from that in the, in a matter of 24 hours and the ufc did and they had a fantastic showing uh, a really really great show yesterday and so i want to talk about it i want to i want to start off there and we'll to start talking about yesterday we have to talk about how we got to yesterday and that was the aforementioned weight cut of Max Holloway, having to be 30 pounds. He got to about 160, reportedly 159, and the New York State Athletic Commission stepped in and says, no, we don't want you to cut anymore. He still had time to go before he got to his limit. They were not going to allow him to weigh in. And so the UFC went scrambling. You know, they went to Anthony Pettis, and Anthony Pettis was not in championship weight to be fighting for a championship you have to be 155.0. He was 155.2. Uh, reportedly asked for more money. Uh, UFC counter-offered by offering him less, and that kind of nuked that idea. There was a report that they went to that Paul Felder wanted to do it. He actually did weigh in at 155.0, so he was on championship weight. 
and the New York State Athletic Commission said he was not ranked high enough, even though he has a much longer win streak than uh, Anthony Pettis. This has been um, countered by the New York State Athletic Commission. Eventually, we settled in with Paul Felder's opponent, who was Ally Aquinta. Long Island zone, hometown boy, getting a fight in Brooklyn, uh, a guy who told the UFC to go bleep itself, a guy who became a real estate agent because he didn't like the living he was making in Ultimate Fighting, and he got a chance to main event at the Barclays Center uh, against Khabib Nurmagomedov, and that's where we are. So that gets us to last night. Okay, so Khabib versus Al Iaquinta. This was going to be an interesting matchup because Al does have uh, some knock-you-silly power, but it's uh, a five-round fight. He trained for three, so he did have a full training camp, but was, uh, and, you know, I know they said that he was training for Paul Felder and a guy who was great ground and pound, but, you know, it's still what I would say is a different animal right now. The guy who's considered, well, now he's world champ, but was number one in the world at 155. So, Ally Quinta obviously had his hands full. We get into yesterday. It doesn't take long. Khabib Nurmagomedov, about a minute into the round uh, of round one, gets him to the ground, goes and does Khabib things, which is get him pinned up against the cage, hit him in the face. Um, I will say, look, Khabib, it didn't look like he he was exhausting Al. He was wearing him out. It didn't look like he was inflicting the kind of damage that he wasn't on Barboza or even Michael Johnson. You know, it, it looked like Al was doing a pretty good job of defending himself. But even still, 10-8 round, uh, pretty easy in my eyes, 10-8 round, dominant. Uh, go to round two, carbon copy, more of the same, Ally Quinta. Gets taken down early. It was about minute 15, gets tripped, and, you know, same thing. Wearing Al down. Al looks really tired. We get to round three, and they're in between rounds, and Khabib's corner asks for more damage. This is where things actually got interesting with the fight, because it was, you know, many are calling it boring. You look up Khabib on Twitter right now, the first word that comes up after it is boring. It was last night a boring fight? I found it fascinating because we don't, we got to see some different sides of Khabib. We got to see Khabib try some different things, and I thought that was the interesting part of last night. You know, I thought, I thought uh, the broadcast was very critical of Khabib, who eventually was able to cruise his way to a unanimous 50-44 and 50-43 on two cards, unanimous decision victory to win the lightweight championship. We get to round three, and Khabib does an interesting thing. Keeps the entire thing on the entire round on the feet, doesn't go for a takedown, doesn't look for a takedown, goes straight with the jab, sticks it right in Ally Quinta's face, bloodies up his face, and, you know, just kind of toying with him. Just to try some things out, you can clearly tell that that um, Khabib was just giving him a way in. Even even Iaquinta's corner acknowledged that you know, all right, he gave us that one. He let us back in there. They were fired up for it. That you know, Khabib was giving him that window. So you know, for people who were saying, oh well, there was a boring fight. Khabib was was not exciting to watch. He gave you that window. You know, he was trying to give Al the opportunity to get in there and stand with him. He was a lot faster than Al. Al was worn down. He was standing in front of him, uh, sticking the jab right in his grill. Didn't really have much of an answer for it. He's exhausted. He looked like he was really preening, looking for that one big shot that could be the game changer. Never really came. Um, fourth round comes. 
more of the same. It's pretty much all the other. And this one is where you got to really give Al the credit. Al was uh, able to defend Khabib's takedowns. He even, he even um, you know, faked some takedowns up on Khabib to try and set up his strikes. Um, really, really kept it off. Even went, you know. So I thought Al was very game. Hats off to him for taking this fight on 24 hours notice. It's an absolute bear of a fight, and that's not trying to be a Khabib pun or anything. He is an absolute monster. And the question is, and this was brought up by Joe Rogan on the broadcast, brought up by a lot of people on social media yesterday, did we see a more vulnerable Khabib Nurmagomedov? And did we see more of a window for Conor McGregor to win there, for Tony Ferguson to win there? And I think those things were tough to answer out of last night. You know, a couple reasons. One, Khabib is fighting a new opponent on 24 hours notice. And you can say, well, he's fighting an easier opponent. He's not fighting the featherweight champion of the world. No, but he is fighting a guy in a full training camp. He was fighting a guy who's natural for that weight class. He was fighting a fringe top 10 guy. It's not like he's fighting some bum. Ally Quince is a very dangerous, a very good fighter. And I think he went, his stock goes up in a lot of people's eyes. Um... But the thing that's tough for me with saying, oh, well, we learned that Khabib is vulnerable on the feet. You know, Joe Rogan, very critical. Jimmy Smith, very critical of Khabib striking. And that's understandable. But that's not his game. You know, nobody's sitting here and has ever said, oh, Khabib is, is going to outstrike. And I think if we're going to put on the scales of talent and where guys uh, are set up, Let's just say a Conor Khabib fight is what is down the line next, and we'll get into Conor's future in a little bit. But let's just say that is next. Let's say Conor versus Khabib is next. If we're going to weigh Conor's ground game versus Khabib striking, I would say their their levels against each other are probably going to cancel each other out. You know, Conor's expertise on the feet and Khabib's expertise on the ground, that is the real question I don't think it's what their weaknesses are I think it's what their strengths are and who can get to that point better and if you really felt yesterday like Al being able to fend off Khabib what I really thought was for a round and a half if you really thought that showed a great window of vulnerability with Khabib I don't I I don't think I side with that you know Khabib really if I I feel if Khabib really wanted to pour the gas on, if he really wanted to floor it and go into that third round, take Al down again, really exhaust him and get that submission or maybe bludgeon him a little bit, I think he probably could have gone that route. You got to take into account Khabib voluntarily kept that fight on its feet in the third round. Did it give Al more confidence? Yes. Did it feel like he got a little bit more rhythm, maybe got a little more confidence, a little less demoralized? Yes. And credit to him for going to that next round, being able to stifle some takedowns and avoid Khabib um, getting back to where he was in the first two rounds. Eventually in round five, he was game a little bit more, but eventually the takedown got there uh, and Khabib kept looking for a submission, didn't get it. But to me, I didn't see this great, chink in Khabib's armor that wasn't only there just because it wasn't something I felt Al exposed I felt Khabib exposed it I thought it was a case of yeah Khabib thought he had some things to work out felt that he had an opponent that really couldn't give him anything back and so because of that he was trying some things out 
And for me, I think that he uh, he proved that he was a much better fighter, clearly. And I don't think this is a uh, a great window into whether or not there's a there's an extra path to get to Connor. Was it the most exciting fight in the world? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't, and I don't even think it was as dominant as the Edson Barboza fight or the Michael Johnson fight. That that is clear. You know, he didn't inflict as much damage. Um, don't think anybody really felt bad for Al's health. You know, there were points in the Edson Barboza fight where with Khabib, you felt bad for the future of Edson Barboza, of of how bad a beating he was taking. I don't think we felt that with Al. I don't think we felt that with Al. But that doesn't mean it wasn't lopsided. Just because Ally Quintus face wasn't made mincemeat on the ground doesn't mean that he wasn't beat soundly. He was. Khabib went out there. He won a very convincing fight against an opponent he took on 24 hours notice. He kept it on the feet by his choice and showed you some vulnerabilities, but they were only shown because he wanted them to be shown, that he wanted to work some things out. And I thought it was fascinating afterwards where he talked about, you know, the idea that 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 fights, you can't replicate fights, 25-minute fights, to training camp. And if I'm going to be in there for 25 minutes and I have a guy beat as soundly as that, I'm going to work some things out. i got to get ready for the next one as well. I think that's a fascinating thing we don't hear from fighters a lot, that, that Khabib is already thinking about his future fights with Conor or with Tony, and he wants to get better in the midst of the fight while his current fight is going on. That's crazy to me. So, yeah. For maybe everybody, Khabib looked a little boring. Was it a little uh, GSP-esque? Fine, if you want to say so. But I thought it was very. I thought it was a fascinating fight. I thought it was a fascinating fight. I thought it was a great performance. And uh, congratulations to Khabib. We have a lot to dive into from this. I don't know how we're going to get the show. Uh, doesn't even get into Rose versus JJ. It's crazy. It was a fantastic night for UFC off what was a really really crummy week. We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you, recapping UFC 223. What a week it was for UFC. Crazy, crazy night. Crazy, crazy span of four days that they had between Conor McGregor getting arrested, between the, the incident, the, between the constant changes in the main event. It was a wild week. They lost three fights. From uh, from the fallout of the Connor incident, now Khabib won yesterday. He won soundly over Ally Quinta. If you guys are just tuning in, and he is now labeled as the undisputed lightweight champion of the world, which it's a weird title because he uh he obviously wasn't taking on the number one contender he wasn't taking on the interim champion and tony ferguson and he wasn't taking on conor mcgregor last night he was the guy who was in the main event for the fight they said was going to replace conor mcgregor as lightweight champion but he was doing it against a guy who was outside the top 10 not his fault obviously um two guys who said they were going to do it didn't do it and so the opponent you would hope was going to be a, a, a guy that would be more worthy of crowning somebody that. But it is what it is. That that the the fight the, the the fight gods didn't allow that to happen. So now Khabib does stand as the undisputed champion of the world at 155 pounds. Tony Ferguson loses his interim title 
which I don't have a, a, a big problem with for this reason. You know, Tony, the whole point of being interim champion is to stand as champion when the actual champion can't fight or is unable to fight or unwilling to fight. And if the interim champion can't go, whether it's his fault or not, then there really is no question here. There's no there's no point of being an interim champion who can't fight. The whole point of you being interim champion is to hold the torch while the actual champion is unable to go, unwilling to go, to a point where then you become undisputed champion. You know, the interim thing is we've had that debate plenty of times on this show, whether it's overused too much, like it's getting used at UFC 225 at welterweight, whether it's it's warranted when it's used, like when uh, John Jones fought OSP um, in a weird situation because DC had to pull out. There's weird scenarios for interim champion, but if the interim champion can't fight, well, then what's the point of being interim champion? So it's not... It, <laughs> It's not this thing where I think Tony should be punished, but I don't feel like he's being punished. He had a placeholder title and couldn't hold the place. So for me, I don't have an issue with him not keeping that belt. I don't have a problem with it just going, gone. He was never undisputed champion. He was interim champion. And they said if he made it to the cage, then that would be for the undisputed title. But that didn't mean he became undisputed champion as soon as the door shut. So I don't have an issue with them taking away the interim title. Now, Connor not being champion anymore. I get that being stripped. He hasn't been he hasn't fought since 2016 in mixed martial arts. So at what point do you have to move on? So Khabib being undisputed champion, undisputed is a tough thing because obviously there's two guys who you think can 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 compete with him and and something can beat but their opportunity to hold that title to be undisputed champion is gone. The window's gone. Connor had plenty of time to defend that 155 title. He decided to go fight Floyd Mayweather for nine figures, and God bless him. Good for him. And Tony had a chance to be undisputed champion, and he couldn't make it to the cage. But he, you know, he was interim champion. He wasn't the undis- he was never undisputed champion. His opportunity was last night. He didn't make it. Not by his own fault. But he didn't make it. So Khabib's the guy right now. And I think rightfully so. Now, everybody wants to know, out of the fallout of this week with Connor, does Khabib want to fight him? Because if you've been under a rock and you don't know, Connor McGregor and his hooligans, they stormed the Barclays Center Thursday on Media Day. Because Khabib, at one point this week, was videotaped cornering Artem Lobov, who is an SBG teammate of Conor McGregor's, the Russian hammer. And that video went viral. And reportedly, Conor, this upset Conor. They've had beef with Khabib's camp before. They hooliganed up, flew from Dublin over to New York, hopped across the pond, if you will, broke into UFC Media Day because of some members of the Mac Life sneaking them in. And they surrounded the fighter bus that was there with Khabib on it. 
and things got out of hand. Connor threw a dolly, broke a broke a window, hurt Michael Chiesa, cut him open. Although I will say, saw the video of Michael Chiesa, and it made it seem a lot worse than it was. I'm not saying he wasn't hurt, and it stuck. It sucks that that happened, and he wasn't able to fight. But they made it seem like uh, like Michael Chiesa's head was taken off. They were like, oh, blood was gushing. He got cut. Um, they made it seem a lot worse than it was from the video. I'm like, I'm just going off what the UFC released. So, it was a really bad look for Connor, really, really bad look. And from my standpoint, I think he has to be punished by the UFC. I understand this is a really, really tough scenario that Dana White finds himself in. It's why he hasn't answered it. Look, the most emotional guy in pro sports is Dana White. Dana White is ready to say, this thing's over, never happening again, bleep that guy. He's ready to call off relationships left and right. You know, he says Tony versus Khabib never going to be hap- never going to be made again. He he makes bold statements on the spot, and then he'll change his mind. But Dana White always comes to a decision, and he even knows how tricky this is. And he said that he doesn't know he's going to get through this week and come with a decision. Now, I can sympathize with Dana how tough this is. I understand this is a really really tough situation he finds himself in because of the stature of Connor, because of the business Connor does, because of what a mega star he is, and because I know there's a hypocritical side of me that is upset with what Connor did, but it's not going to keep me from watching his fights, especially against Khabib. This makes me more interested in him fighting Khabib. I I am I am not perfectly sided in this argument to know I never want to watch a Connor McGregor fight again. That's not the case. I'm not going to be a phony. I want to see Conor McGregor fight again. But I do feel like after the year he's had with the Bellator thing, which Dana White really didn't have any say over, but it was a really bad look where he jumps into a Bellator cage, he costs a referee, a Bellator official. You're not, it's not even your promotion. You're just, you're just doing what you want to do because you're Conor. And between... That, between the water bottle thrown incident with that that hit a kid when him and Nate Diaz were winging it to promote a fight. Look, promoted the hell out of a fight. And a lot of us thought it was awesome at the time. It was. But he's still putting other people in danger who don't have to be. And now this, and why I think this is different is because it involved other fighters. It involved other people who were there to work on a UFC show, that they're working for the company, they're there to promote a fight, and Connor has nothing to do with it. He has nothing to do with anybody on that bus. And he could have found a hundred different ways to get to Khabib without involving other fighters. But he wanted to make a big spectacle of it. He brought his his crew. You know, the big thing this week, was it staged? Was it staged? In a way, it was. It was staged by Connor. It was, he had his crew there. They were videotaping it. The thing you have to realize is what happened wasn't, wasn't phony. You know, it, th- what Connor wanted to make a spectacle of this. He wanted to have the film there. He knew UFC cameras would be there. He wanted people to show out. He wanted the attention that he was going after Khabib. The problem was, even if it being staged, just because things are staged doesn't mean they can't go horribly wrong. You know? SeaWorld is staged. You ever see the uh, the Killer Whale show? That's staged. 
Sometimes the killer whale is going to eat the trainer. That's not staged. Things can go too far. And Connor went too far. He went too far. He took a damn dolly. He broke a window. And he hurt some fighters. As badly as it was brought out to be? Maybe not. Maybe it was a little overblown. But Rose Namajunas, she said she didn't want to fight on that card. Which would have sucked because that fight was amazing last night. So, Connor is bringing other guys into his publicity who have nothing to do with it for a fight he's trying to promote or grab headlines from a guy who's stealing his thunder or is going to take his belt. And they have nothing to do with it. And he didn't have to involve them. And somebody got hurt in the midst and they lose out on, win- on the opportunity to get win money. And, and, and now it has to be lawyered up and you get arrested. It's a terrible look, man. And so... Because it involves other fighters, I can't help but think that the UFC really does have to punish him here. And I'm not Kevin Ioli who says, like, he has to be banned for life. Let's not get silly. There's been worse criminals that have fought in that octagon for worse crimes that have continued to be able to make a living fighting. I don't think... Suspending him six months is enough because if the plan is, and this was thrown around all week, he was going to fight in September, that's five months away. So that's not a punishment. You're putting him basically on ice for a month. It's a fake punishment. I The, the number that keeps coming back to me is that he should be suspended for a year. I think that He legitimately should not be allowed to fight in the octagon now for another year. And I think that would actually show that the USC did something here to show they aren't going to tolerate Connor. Because it's basically like you're really suspending him for six months. Because if he's going to fight, if he was planning to fight all along in September or at the end of this year, you know, what is that suspension really? It's just doing, it's just saying you did something when you really did nothing. You know, if Connor had a fight scheduled for next month, okay, that's a punishment. But because he's not, he's not going to fight until the fall, what is a six-month punishment? I think the year, I think a year is the number. He should be allowed to fight next spring. And I think that would be warranted. Is it going to happen? <sighs> That's tough. Because I thought Khabib did a great job of selling this fight last night. I thought he had a great performance. I think people really want to see that matchup. I think he is into the rivalry. I think he wants a world tour. I think he knows the money that fight makes. So this could be one of those things where he's not suspended. And that they're just going to let the legal system play out and that's it. And that uh, and that Dana's going to let the punishment be Michael Chiesa suing him and Ray Borg suing him and anybody who felt traumatized suing him and the Barclay Center suing him. That, that could end up being the brunt of the punishment but to me the UFC does have to get some kind of control over Conor McGregor some kind just 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 because you have to protect your fighters man that's it I understand that Conor gets special treatment I understand I'm a huge Conor McGregor fan that that's why this I think annoys me to the degree it does he doesn't need this Conor McGregor could sit in front of a microphone sell just as many pay-per-views as he did throwing a dolly through a bus. He could. Or he could have showed up cage side, 
talked bleep to Khabib the entire time, and it would have sold just as many pay-per-views as him throwing a dolly through a bus. Because he's got that kind of magic in his in his mouth. He doesn't need to stoop to this level. And he doesn't need to involve other fighters that aren't Khabib in this thing. And I think at some point, the UFC has to realize that, man, if we don't make a stand here, when are, what's the next move that he's going to make? That he's just going to do whatever the hell he wants. Because this one involves your, your other fighters. And I know that they're not the breadwinners that Connor are for your company. And they're not the ones that probably led it to being a $4 billion sale. But you do need them. You do need other fighters on that roster to fill out the card. To entertain the fans that are there for four hours before Connor gets to fight. Connor's fights could end in 13 seconds. What are, the re- what are we going to watch the rest of the night? Yeah, maybe they're not the reason for the pay-per-view buys, but they're there entertaining people. The 20,000 people that were at the Barclays there yesterday, they got a hell of a showing by a lot of people that weren't named Conor McGregor. So, I don't know if the UFC is going to step up and punish him, but I do feel like they should. And I feel like a year is the, is the, is the appropriate number that he comes back next spring and you could start with the, and then it's a fresh start. Khabib will get a little chance to have a run. Maybe it's against GSP. Maybe it's against Tony. But I don't know. They're in a tough spot because they. I do realize I'm not. I'm not naive to not know how important that guy is to their business. And if they really thought they were on the brink of getting him back, I don't know if they want to let that slip away. But they better be careful because if they let him walk away scot free and they just let. This uh, this go undone by their promotion. Who knows what the next step's going to be by Connor? Who knows? All right. When we come back, I want to hear from Khabib when he talks about a, couple, a lot of interesting things happened last night. We got to get into JJ uh, Rose from last night. Rose defending her belt. We got to get into Floyd Mayweather and his comments on Showtime, and we got to get to Khabib and his thoughts on the Connor situation as he spoke yesterday after after being named undisputed lightweight champion of the world. We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. So I'll be with you. I want to let you guys know, March for Cancer. March for Cancer is coming up on May 19th. A great event. Uh, Seema Tommy Guns, they head this up, and it is a, it's just a really, really great job that they do every single year. And, you know, a lot of cancer... Um, fundraising events. They are done for research of cancer and to and, and, and to help in the bringing the cure for cancer. And man, that's all fantastic and that's great. And um, it's all it's all very necessary. Uh, March for Cancer. What it does is it raises money for people dealing with cancer in the moment. A lot of times you don't realize. You know, you need rides to you know, treatments. You need you need um, just your bills paid for because of all the things you're doing fighting this unbelievable fight you know we talk about here on fighters fear we talk about fights every single week on this show for god what is it eight years now this this show's been on and march for cancer uh an event that they do just such a fantastic way to uh to help those in need right at the moment because it's 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 great that you know all this money is put into cancer research and that things are are put into place so that we can eventually find a cure for cancer but the the way 
to get there also is by helping those who are are battling that stuff right now. And so um, just hoping you guys can uh, get on out there. Go to marchforcancer.org if you want to register. We'll be out there. We are every single year uh, as part of the show. I'll get into, uh, get into my run shape for this one. Um, but you can go to marchforcancer.org. You guys can register there. Uh, always right there on Fort Lauderdale Beach. It's a beautiful run uh, on, a, on a weekend morning. Uh, right there on Fort Lauderdale Beach. Just a really, really great event. Can't recommend it enough if you guys are looking for a way to help. Um, looking to get out on a beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, do it amongst friends. Do it with your family. Um, you know, everybody uh, everybody gets a, a nice medal. It's a cool thing of accomplishment. Fastest time to get a cool trophy. Um, there's great raffles there. Great sponsors that are always out there. Usually giving out, um, you know, different types of things. So marchforcancer.org. Check that out. Say it's a it's a really really great way to help those in need right now who are battling cancer, uh, and and are in need of your help to get through this fight that they're going through. Um, getting to getting back to last night. So uh, I want to get back into the Connor stuff and where things stand with that and him and Khabib in a second. Uh, but I do I have to give a little bit of dedication to Rose Namajunas and Joanna and Jay Chick. What a show those ladies put on yesterday. Just a fantastic fantastic fight. Rose ends up. Uh, with a with a unanimous decision, 49-46 on all three cards. It was interesting looking at the scorecards of this fight for a couple reasons because, you know, they all came out with the same score, but they all had Joanna winning different rounds because, you know, so 49-46 it means that each judge saw the fight 4-1. And each judge had Joanna winning a different round. One judge had to win in the second round, which is weird to me because I thought that was the clearest Rose Namajunas round. Um, one judge saw her win in the fourth round, which I agree with, and one judge saw her win in the third round, which I agree with. I had it two-two. I had a forty-eight-forty-seven. I thought Rose won. Um, I think. I think. I think most people saw it. If you saw it forty-nine-forty-six, you probably thought. Rose won the first three and won the fifth. If you saw it 48-47, you probably saw Rose won the first two, JJ won the next two, Rose clearly won the fifth. And JJ yesterday, you know, she handled this loss a lot better than she did the knockout loss to Rose. But I think we saw yesterday, Rose, she has a weapon that JJ can't answer for, which is that left hook. It's it's after six rounds with her, she still can't find a way to defend it regularly, and so JJ's out there. And first of all, she's having trouble. You know, Rose is making it very difficult early on to have Joanna land that jab and set things up. It's not until that until it's not until JJ really starts landing this kick on Rose's front leg regularly and realizes that it's hurting her that she has a real setup weapon, and 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 Joanna needs that to really get her offense going. Where Rose doesn't necessarily need a big setup. You know, she can, you know, stick around. She can move a little bit. She comes from good angles. And she can crack you with that with that, uh, with that that left hook. And it was, it was very clear in those first two rounds that Rose, I thought, was getting the best of those exchanges. First round was very, very slow. So it was, it was slimmer pickings to get. But it did look like Rose was starting to pour it on late. 
Second round, I thought, was very clearly for Rose. I thought she was settling in very, very nicely. Yana looked a little bit more relaxed um, and, and started finding the kicks, but didn't really start unleashing anything else. Third round, you could definitely see, in my opinion, that the, the swing was happening, that Rose looked like she was uh, in a little bit of an, an adrenaline dump, that she um, wasn't coming at it with the same type of speed, because there was a very clear speed advantage in the first couple of, uh, 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 in the first couple of rounds. You notice that Rose is a lot quicker than JJ, and that looked like it was really shifting. And maybe it was because her mobility was getting impeded by the leg kicks. But Joanna came through. I thought racked in that 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 third round, and then I thought in the fourth round, JJ was was pouring it on a lot, and that was her best round. I thought things were really swinging going into that fifth round, which is why you got to give a lot of praise to Rose for how she came into that fifth round, where she really sealed the deal. That, you know, she looked like she broke Joanna's nose with the right hand and was cracking her with the with the with the with the left hook. And JJ was a buzzsaw. She was throwing a lot of stuff, but she was she was she was making it in it looked like she was making Rose miss a lot. So I thought it was a pretty clear three two. Um the stats do bear out. I mean, she did hit Rose with a lot more shots. She outlanded her one thirty two to eighty four in the fight. And so were those kicks getting enough credit from the judges? They might not have been, but I do feel like... I I don't think they got enough credit because I do think that Joanna won two rounds. But I don't think there were enough because I think think that's probably where the vast of the difference was. I I can't remember a kick that that Rose landed. Um, I think that, that that's probably where that big discrepancy comes from. And, and it did look like, you know, look, this is one thing with, with, with counterpunchers and, and, and fighters that like to dictate the pace. A lot of the times, if a counterpuncher catches you clean, you're always going to look like you got the better of the exchange because you're on the tail end of it. So you had the best response. And a lot of the times, all the punches that were set up to get to that point for you to even get your offense off uh, don't get the credit they deserve. But I don't think that was enough of the case in this fight. I thought that Rose landed the better shots. She won more rounds and is showing herself to just be absolutely dynamic. And she looks like she has Joanna's number. Um, right now, she's got a vicious knockout over her. And she looks like she beat her up pretty good after the, uh, after the, after the, the five rounds they put on yesterday. But they put on a hell of a show. Really, really great showing by those two. It was an awesome, awesome fight. And this was interesting. Yesterday, Ronda Rousey even chimed in. She said, so proud of Joanna and Rose fighting their hearts out, representing all women and all fighters tonight. UFC is lucky to have you both. And the reason that's interesting is, you know, Ronda is making her WrestleMania debut tonight. She's uh, making her WWE, um, I guess this is like her probably third appearance or so. She's fighting Stephanie McMahon and uh, Dana White's going to the event. But I thought it was interesting. We haven't really seen Ronda comment in anything social media wise with when it comes to mixed martial arts so that was kind of cool to see speaking of cool to see so Khabib gets the win yesterday he is now your lightweight champion and out of all the fallout from Connor yesterday and I know we talked about the punishment and what Connor's going to face I do think Connor deserves some punishment but again I'm not dumb enough to know that I don't want to see him fight again. I want to see Conor back in the cage. I really do. I love watching Conor fight. I love the event of a Conor McGregor fight. It's fantastic. And I think him versus Khabib is going to be really, really great. 
And I think that there's arguments for both sides for why either one would win. But Khabib yesterday, here he was. He was t- uh, talking to reporters and discussing the potential matchup with Connor. Did the events of uh, Thursday make you more or less interested in wanting to fight Connor for the title at some point? Yes, why not? Hey, we have to finish this beef, beef chicken or something like this. He have to stop eat Burger Kings and, uh, you know, you want to fight? Come. I told you guys, we're going to make him humble. I told you guys, I'm going to change this game. You know, now only one champion. No more fake champions. No more champion who never defend his title or something like this. Now UFC have champion. And this champion want to defend his title. You want to fight? Come here. Inside the cage, come. Outside the cage, let me know without camera, without like all this media or like this, like men. Let me know. And that's it. Anytime. And I thought, I thought, I think it's a sound point by Khabib. You know, he's not shying away from it. He wants the Connor fight. He's not here to try and keep Connor down. He wants that fight. He knows what that's going to mean. He knows how crazy that's going to be. And. It is. It's going to be wild. And I think those two on a press tour, you know, different countries, put it in Russia, have them go to Dublin, have them do some here. Be amazing. Be an amazing, an amazing showcase, which is, you know, and yeah, that, that footage, if you watch the embedded of the Connor bus attack, it was crazy. And it's going to be shown just like the John Jones thing with where they're reprimanding John Jones and Daniel Cormier for their brawl and and uh, upsetting everybody at the MGM Grand. But God, that made that promo. It did. It made it like crazy over and over and over again. And it did great business, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier, as it does, because there when there's when there's genuine hate, people buy into that. And I know there's a lot of fighters and I know, I know there's a lot of fight fans that are now even more into this fight than they were before. I'm just down that it had to involve other fighters. That's all. Uh, here's a little bit more Khabib after the, uh, after the win. Do you concede that if you fought Conor, it would be the biggest fight in UFC history? That everything that happened, they showed it on Embedded. No one's shying away from it. If he comes and fights you, given... They already promote this fight, right? <laughs> what do you think? I Is it going to be a big fight? Two million, two million pay-per-views at yeah. least. What do you think? Uh, I hope he's going to fight. We have to fight. Like, make world tour yeah. everywhere. Like, Tokyo, Moscow, Dublin, Los Angeles, like, Rio. Big world tour. Promote this fight and fight end of the year. Like, biggest arena in the world. Madison Square Garden. Why not? Or maybe in Zaire or Philippines. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Like I'm here. Hey, he wanna he wanna become lightweight champion. He have to fight with me. Now no more these old fake champions. Now we're gonna like you guys remember when he put tweet beg me, please beg me. Listen, listen, Connor, you big, big son of bitch. That's how it goes. God, those are going to be some epic press conferences between those two. And it's going to be amazing. Oh, man, what a week. This was a whirlwind. This was crazy. 
Didn't even get to Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather yesterday, by the way, he was on Showtime. He says that he wants to fight. Uh, he wants to fight. If he comes back, he's fighting in an octagon. That's what he told Jim Gray. And Gray's like, oh, no more boxing? No more boxing. If he comes back, it has to be with the UFC. It has to be uh, in conjunction with Showtime. I want, you know, the weird thing is with Floyd and the Showtimes thing. Like, I want to know, is it is that like a thing with the books? Like, where they're, you know, Showtimes had such this ma- this massive deal with Floyd for so long uh, when he made that six-fight deal with them. I, You know, those two do not have a great relationship, Showtime and the UFC. Dana White came out yesterday, called, I think, uh, Steven Espinosa, the president of Showtime. They called him a slimy rat. I think I think that's where, not just a rat, a slimy rat. And that is, that's a different level of hatred. You're going to go slime rat. I call people rat bastards and rat finks left and right. I've never called anybody a slimy rat. That's, that's, that's hardcore. That's some, that's some real disdain Dana White has for Steven Espinosa. So I don't know if that's going to work out. The Floyd thing though, I do think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. There's, there's, there's too many, too many tea leaves out there now. There's too much stuff out there where, Floyd is trying to make this a real thing. Now, will it be against Conor? I feel like if it's going to happen, it has to be against Conor McGregor because I I think you need to bank it being the biggest pay-per-view of all time. But he's going to get killed. So how could you do it? Like, I don't know how a commission could sanction that. Conor against Floyd Mayweather in a mixed martial arts match. I don't understand. I mean, I know how it's going to happen. It would happen with bribes. But if there were no bribes, it wouldn't happen. It's crazy talk. But these are crazy times. These are the times we live in in the fight game with buses getting broken by dollies and fighters crossing over. We live in crazy times. These are the times we're in, and I love it. I love it so much. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.